ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارحام ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد فان اصدق الحديث كتاب الله وخير الهدي هدي محمد صلى الله عليه وسلم وشر الامور محدثاتها وكل محدثه بدعه وكل بدعه ضلاله وكل ضلاله سلام We had arrived to Al-Qa'idatul Khamisa, the fifth principle. Al-Shari'a mabniyatun ala aslain. Al-Ikhlasu lillahi wal-mutaba'atu li-rasulihi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. The fifth principle is that the legislation is built upon two foundations the first being the sincerity for Allah and the second being the following of his messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam al-shaykh abdurrahman ibn nasir al-sa'di rahimahullah ta'ala He mentions هذان الأصلان شرط لكل عمل ديني ظاهر كأقوال اللسان وأعمال الجوارح أو باطن كأعمال القلوب قال الله تعالى ألا لله الدين الخالص وقال الله تعالى وما امروا الا ليعبدوا الله مخلصين له الدين والدين الذي امروا باخلاصه هو الاسلام والايمان والاحسان كما فسره بذلك النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم في حديث جبريل وغيره Sheikh Abdul Rahman ibn Nasir al-Sa'di rahimahullah he said these two foundations 
are a condition for every outward religious act. Like the statements of the tongue and the actions of the body parts or that which is inward like the actions of the heart Allah Ta'ala he stated indeed the entire religion is for Allah Allah Ta'ala he stated and they were not commanded except that they worship Allah alone sincerely making the religion for him Shaykh goes on to say in the religion which they were commanded to make it sincerely for Allah it is the matter of Islam the matter of Iman and the matter of Ihsan just as the Prophet وسلم, explained that in the hadith of Jibreel and other men The deen is built upon these two fundamental principles Al-Ikhlas Wal-Mutabah Sincerity for Allah Following of the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu In reality, this is the two testimonies of faith The shahada is twofold. Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah wa ashhadu anna Muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. What does this mean? Ashhadu an la ilaha illallah is I bear witness that none has the right to be worshipped except for Allah who is alone with our partners meaning that one is going to worship Allah alone and all of the ibadah is for Allah alone not making any equals or any partners to Allah and one's worship of Allah and what one does of ibadah is done sincerely for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There being no partners for him. And Allah alone is entitled to all acts of ibadah. This is the meaning of the shahada of la ilaha illallah. And this is the ikhlas. As for ashadu anna muhammadan Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam I be a witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam This is testifying to the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam And in testifying to the messengership of the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu means that one is going to worship Allah according to the example of Prophet Muhammad sallallahu because he's the messenger the one Allah sent as a means of guidance for mankind 
So being that he is the messenger that Allah sent, this is the one who we follow when it comes to how to worship Allah. When it comes to how to believe, when it comes to what to say religiously, what to do religiously. This all has to be in accordance to the teachings of Prophet Muhammad This is the meaning or part of the meaning of I bear witness that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. Believing that the Prophet Muhammad is the messenger entails that we're going to obey him and that which he commanded us. We're going to leave off the things he told us not to do. Because the commandment of Prophet Muhammad is actually the commandment of Allah. As Allah Azza mentions, وَمَنْ Allah." That whoever obeys the messenger, then he has obeyed Allah. And Allah Azza mentioned about the Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Yuha. And he, meaning he, the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, he does not speak from his desires, but it's only revelation that is revealed to him. So that which has been conveyed to us from the Prophet وسلم, regarding the religious matters, the religious affairs, this is the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it is upon the person to follow the guidance and the teachings of the Prophet and when one follows the Prophet وسلم, this is a sign that the person truly loves Allah. As Allah Azzawajal mentions, قُلْ إِن كُنْتُمْ تُحِبُّونَ اللَّهِ فَاتَّبِعُونِي يُحْبِبُكُمُ اللَّهِ وَيَغْفِرْ لَكُمْ ذُنُوبَكُمْ Allah commanded the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, to say to the people, if you truly love Allah, then follow me. And Allah will love you and forgive you of your sins. So the sign that a person loves Allah is that he follows the Prophet Muhammad As for the one who worships Allah based upon other than that which Prophet Muhammad taught and brought to the people, then it is rejected. As the Prophet he mentioned, مَنْ عَمِلَ عَمَلًا لَيْسَ عَلَيْهِ أَمْرُنَا فَهُوَ That whoever does an act that does not have our affair over it, meaning that it is not in accordance to Islam, it is rejected. So anyone who does a practice, as a religious practice that is, and it is not based upon what Prophet Muhammad brought is not based upon the Quran is not based upon the Sunnah it is rejected and what is intended by being based upon the Quran and the Sunnah not that someone can quote a verse and then say this means this but that the person has a proof and the proof is Understood and practiced according to how it was understood and practiced by the Prophet Because you have uh, some of the people of innovation and in, in their practices of innovation, they quote from the Quran to justify their acts. However, what they do, they quote from texts that are general in wording. The wording is general. 
and then they apply that general wording to their specific practice. And this is incorrect. Anyone who is doing anything as a religious act of worship, it is a must that the text is applicable to what the person is doing specifically. And how do we know that it is applicable? Meaning we find the Prophet wasallam implementing the text in that manner. Or we find the Sahaba implementing the text in that manner. As an example, Allah Azawajal, He mentions in the Quran, وَذْكُرُوا اللَّهَ كَثِيرًا لَعَلَّكُمْ تُفْلِحُونَ And remember Allah much in order that you may be successful. General text, general command to remember Allah. You have some of Ahl Tasawwuf, the people of Sufism. They will take that text and apply it to the specific way that they do dhikr according to the tariqah. And if someone was to reprimand them and say, what are you doing? This is incorrect. They will say, Allah says in the Quran, remember Allah much in order that you may be successful. So we are remembering Allah much and we are striving to be successful. What are we doing that's wrong? What's wrong is that they are implementing this verse in a manner that the Prophet wasallam did not implement the verse. You never find, as an example, that the Prophet wasallam he sat in a circle with the companions and then they would chant La ilaha illallah La ilaha illallah Allah, Allah, hu, hu, hu. You don't, no, you will never find that. So that statement of Allah is not applicable to these individuals when they are doing this. Yes, Allah said, remember him much, but Allah didn't legislate that he be remembered in that manner. So it's not enough to just have an ayah or verse or hadith, but it is a must along with the uh, ayah or hadith that the practical application is being connected to the verse the hadith as Abu Musa al-Ashari radiallahu an he went to the masjid and he seen the people sitting in circles and they had pebbles. And at the head of each circle, there was a man saying, Kebbirumiya. Say Allahu Akbar 100 times. And then they would take the pebbles and they would count. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Allah, like that. Hamidumiya. Say Alhamdulillah 100 times. Alhamdulillah. 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 Like that. Hallelumiya. Say la ilaha illallah 100 times. Sabbihumi. Say subhanallah. Abu Musa Ashri, he's a Sahabi, radiallahu and he's seen this. So he left and went to the house of Abdullah bin Mas'ud, radiallahu And he said to the people as they were waiting for Abdullah bin Mas'ud to come out, as he was the scholar, and Abu Musa Ashri, without a doubt, he is a person of knowledge. But he went to Abdullah bin Mas'ud 
And they were waiting for him to come out. And he said, did uh, Abu Abdurrahman come out yet? Meaning Abdullah bin Masood. He said, no. So then when he come out, he said, Ya Abu Abdurrahman, O father of Abdurrahman, I seen something in the masjid that was strange. But at the same time, I only seen good. So Abdullah bin Masood said, what did you see? He said, if you live, you're going to see it. So he asked him, what was it? He said, I seen the people sitting in circles in the masjid. And at the head of the circle, there was a man telling the people to say, SubhanAllah, 100 times, Alhamdulillah, 100 times, La ilaha illallah, 100 times, Allahu Akbar, 100 times. And they were counting on pebbles, like little stones. So Abdullah bin Mas'ud said to Abu Musa al-Ashari, you should have told them to count up their evil deeds. You should have told them to count up their evil deeds. And I'm a guarantor that their good deeds will not be wasted. So Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, he went to the masjid. And when he got to the masjid and found these individuals sitting in these circles, he asked them, what are you doing? What is this that you're doing in the masjid? They said, these are stones that we are using to count the praises of Allah. He said, count up your evil deeds. And I guarantee you that your good deeds will not be lost. He said, O nation of Muhammad, how quick are you to rush to destruction? Here is the clothing of the Prophet wasallam has not decayed. Here are the utensils of the Prophet wasallam. they have not broken. Meaning by that, that the Prophet wasallam, he just died. He recently died. And here are his companions, widespread. Meaning, look at us. We don't find any of us who learn from the best of the teachers doing what you're doing. So he said to them, either you are upon a path that is more guided than the path of the Prophet Muhammad wasallam, or you're opening up a door to misguidance. So they said, Ya Aba Abdurrahman, ma aradna illa al-khayr. O father of Abdurrahman, we only wanted to do good. And Abdullah bin Mas'ud, he responded with a response as monumental. Kam min muridan lil len yusiba. How many from amongst those who want to do good, but they never reach it? And then he left them. It is mentioned in the narration that some of these individuals, or the majority of these individuals who were sitting in those circles, they were fighting against the Sahaba alongside of the Khawarij on the day of Nahrawan. And we have many lessons learned from this incident, but the main thing in relation to what we're covering is that they were remembering Allah. They were saying SubhanAllah, they were saying Alhamdulillah, they were saying La ilaha illallah, and they were saying Allahu Akbar. These are the best words of remembrance. These are the most beloved words to Allah of, mem of remembrance. But what was the problem here? The manner that they was doing it was wrong. The manner that they was doing it was not a manner that was taught by Prophet Muhammad Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So Abdullah bin Mas'ur reprimanded them for what they were doing and told them to counter their evil deeds because this was something that was new. 
This is something that was not taught by the Prophet This is something that was not done by the Sahaba. As he mentioned, the Sahaba, we are here, we're widespread. So the point, along with sincerity, it is a must that the individual is following the Prophet and how he's worshipping. So we need both in order for Allah to accept the deed. If one is missing, the deed is rejected. And the scholars, they mention that the people are divided into four categories when it comes to these two matters. The first category of people, they are those who have sincerity along with the following of the Prophet They have both. The second category of people, they have sincerity, but they don't follow the Prophet The third category, they follow the Prophet in the act, meaning they do it the way it is legislated, but they don't have sincerity. And then the fourth category of people, they are void of both. They have no sincerity and they have no following of the Prophet Out of these four categories of people, only one category, their deeds are accepted, and that is the first category. Those who, when they do the act of worship, it is done sincerely for Allah, and it is done in accordance to the teachings of the Prophet Muhammad as for those who have sincerity, but they do not follow the Prophet, the act is rejected. As for those who do follow the Prophet, but they're not doing it out of sincerity, the act is rejected. And as for those who have neither one, the act is rejected. The author, he mentions the statement of Allah that indeed the entire religion is for Allah. Meaning every aspect of worship is due to Allah as alone. Being that Allah as created us alone, then Allah is to be worshipped alone. And this is a point that we find throughout the Quran. Rather, the first commandment in the Quran addressed towards mankind is to worship Allah, our Lord, the one who created us. As Allah mentions, Ya ayyuhannas, u'budu rabbakum alladhi khalaqakum walladhina min qabrikum la'allakum tattakun. O mankind, worship your Lord, the one who has created you and created those before you in order that you may attain piety. So here Allah commands all of mankind to worship him alone. But look, he mentions the reason why. Worship who? Your Lord. The one who created you and created those before you. So Allah Azawajal commands that we worship him due to him being our Lord, the one who has created us. Due to him being our Lord, the one who has created us, that makes Allah entitled to all worship. And this is a point in principle, Barakallah Fikum. 
that we use in giving da'wah to the people. That the lordship which many of the people acknowledge, the most of the people, they acknowledge the lordship of Allah. The lordship necessitates that Allah is to be worshipped alone. As the ulama they say, Tawheed al-Rububiyyah yastalizim Tawheed al-Ibadah. That the, the monotheism of lordship necessitates the monotheism of worship. It necessitates it. Being that Allah is the Lord, being that Allah is the creator, the provider, the sustainer, the giver of life, the giver of death, the causer of death. Being that Allah controls all of the affairs in the universe. It's his right that we worship him alone, just as he alone does those things. Also the statement of Allah, وَمَا أُمِرُوا إِلَّا لِيَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ مُخْلِسِينَ لَهُ and they were not commanded except that they worship Allah alone, sincerely making deen for him as monotheists. This is a command, Barakallah Fikum, that was addressed to all of the nations prior to Prophet Muhammad Wasallam. Prophet Muhammad Wasallam and his nation, we are not the first people to be commanded with ikhlas. Ikhlas was a command that was given to all nations. All of the people with their prophets and messengers were commanded to worship Allah alone. And this was the message of all prophets and messengers. The Shaykh mentions that the religion they were commanded with to have ikhlas and sincerity in, it is al-Islam, al-Iman and al-Ihsan. These are the levels of the religion. Al-Islam representing that which is outward. Al-Iman representing that which is inward. And Al-Islam representing the peak of perfection in doing so. Or worshipping Allah as though we see Him. And although we do not see Him, we know that indeed He sees us. And this is what we find in the Hadith of Jibreel. In the Hadith of Jibreel, it is known as Ummu Sunnah, the mother of the Sunnah. Because all of the Ahadith of the Prophet ﷺ, its meanings return back to the Hadith of Jibreel. So the Hadith of Jibreel is a foundation from the foundations of the deen. The Shaykh goes on to state, فَهَادِهِ الْأُمُورِ لَابُدْ أَن تَكُونَ خَالِسَةً لِلَّهِ مُرَادًا بِهَا وَجْهِ وَرِضْوَانِ وَثَوَابِ وَلَابُدْ أَن تَكُونَ مَأْخُوذَةً مِنَ الْكِتَابِ وَالسُنَّةِ وَقَالَ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى فِي مُتَابِعَةِ الرَّسُولِ وَمَا آتَاكُمُ الرَّسُولِ فَخُذُهُ وَمَا نَهَاكُمْ عَنْهُ فَانْتَهُ وَقَالَ فِي الْجَمْعِ بَيْنَ الْأَصْلِينَ وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ دِينًا 
من من أسلم وجهه لله وهو محسن أي أخلص أعماله الظاهرة والباطنة لله وهو في هذا محسن بأن يكون متبعا لرسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم شيخ عبد الرحمن بن ناصر السعدي رحمه الله تعالى he stated that it is a must that these affairs be done sincerely for Allah sincerely for Allah intending by those acts of worship his face and his pleasure his reward it is a must that these acts of worship are taken from the book and the sunnah Allah Ta'ala he stated regarding the following of the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam and whatever the messenger gives you take it and whatever the messenger forbids you from leave it off and Allah Ta'ala he said in combining both foundations in one verse Allah states and who is better in religion than the one who submits his face to Allah and he is a good doer meaning by this he makes his actions that are outward and inward sincerely for Allah and in this he is a good doer that he is one who follows the messenger the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam So when all acts of ibadah it is a must that they be done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and when one is worshiping Allah a part of worshiping Allah is that we do it out of love for Allah and fear of Allah's punishment and seeking the reward these three matters are the arkamul ibadah the two matters are the shurut for or the shart qubul which are the condition of for the acceptance of ibadah but these three things love hope and fear these are the pillars of worship every act of ibadah is based upon this these pillars as mentioned by the ulama love for allah hope for his reward fear of his punishment and we combine all three this is the way of the sunnah this is the way of tawhid different from the murjia and the khawarij and the sufiya different from their way shaykh al-islam ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah he mentions in the risala al-ubudiyah the treaties of servitude من عبد الله 
بالرجائي فقط فهو مرجئ ومن عبد الله بالخوف فقط فهو خارجي ومن عبد الله بالمحبة فقط فهو الزنديق ولكن من عبد الله بالرجاء والخوف والمحبة فهو السني الموحد شيخ الإسلام من تيمية رحمه الله تعالى منشنت Whoever worships Allah based upon hope alone, then he is a murji. And whoever worships Allah based upon fear alone, then he is a khariji. And whoever worships Allah based upon love alone, then he is a zindiq, a heretic. But whoever worships Allah based upon based upon hope, fear, and love, then he is a Sunni Muwahid, and a person who is upon the Sunnah and upon Tawheed. What is the meaning of this? The one who worships Allah upon hope alone is a Murji. The Murjiyah have with them Irujah, and that is the delay of action. And they believe that actions are not from faith. And sins do not harm a person's faith. This is their belief. And as long as a person is a believer, the sins cannot harm. Just as, as long as a person is a disbeliever, good deeds cannot benefit. So the murjiyah, they put their dependency upon hope, hope for the mercy of Allah. They have been overwhelmed by hope. And whoever worships Allah based upon fear alone, then he is a khadiji. For the khawarij, they have been overwhelmed by fear to the point that they have no hope in the mercy of Allah. And as a result of them being overwhelmed by fear, they hold that a person who commits a major sin, he has left the fold of Islam. And if he dies upon that major sin, he dies as a disbeliever who will be in the hellfire forever and the likes. So them being overwhelmed by fear, they have overlooked the text which established that Allah Azawajal is the most merciful or forgiving and that Allah Azawajal forgives all sins except for shirk. So they have gone to that extreme. And then lastly, whoever worships Allah alone based upon love, he's a zindiq. Those who are intended here are Ahlat Tasawwuf, the Sufis. What is the mentality of the Sufis? The mentality of the Sufi is that we don't worship Allah based upon hope. For those who worship Allah based upon hope, this is the ibadah of a tajir. 
the ibadah of a merchant. Somebody who is doing something to get something in return. So they say, we don't worship Allah like that. And they say, we don't worship Allah based upon fear because this is the ibadah of an abd. The worship of a slave where he's doing the worship out of fear of being punished. He says, so we don't worship Allah like that. This is the position of Ahlul Tasawwuf. They say, rather we worship Allah upon love alone. The Salaf said, this is zandaqa, this is heresy in the religion. These individuals are heretics. But the correct way when it comes to worshiping Allah is that we worship Allah with hope, fear, and love. And the proof of this is right there in Surah Al-Fatiha. SubhanAllah. First surah in the Quran. Right there. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. Malik Yawmideen. Right there. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. All of the praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the creation. This is the love. We praise Allah because we love Allah. Ar-Rahman Ar-Rahim. The most merciful, the bestower of mercy. This is the hope. We hope for Allah's mercy. Maliki Yawmiddin, the owner of the Day of Judgment. This is the fear. We fear standing in front of the owner of the Day of Judgment. The statement that the author he bring, and whatever the messenger gives you, take it, and whatever he forbids you from abstain from it. For the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he only gives us that which is good. And he only gives to us that which Allah has commanded him to give to us. And likewise, when the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam prohibits us from something, it is due to that matter being evil. The Prophet Sallallahu is looking out for the well-being of the Muslim. And this is something that we as Muslims, we must believe. That the commandments that come from the Kitab and the Sunnah, they're for our own good. Allah does not command with that which is detrimental for our worldly lives or our lives in the hereafter. Nor does the Prophet ﷺ command with something that is detrimental. Rather, the commandments of Allah and the commandments of the Prophet ﷺ, they are for the good of the servants of Allah. And this is something that as Muslims we must believe this. And in believing this, it makes it easy for us to carry out the commands because we know that there is good in carrying out the commandment of Allah and the commandment of the Messenger wasallam. Even though we may not know every angle of wisdom or 
every reason behind the matter. One thing that we should know is that carrying out the command of Allah and His Messenger is worship, and in it there is good. Khalas. If that's all we know, wallahi, that's sufficient. It's enough. Again, as Muslims, we must believe that the commandments of Allah and His Messenger, they have good in it. And it is good for us in this life as well as in the hereafter. And the prohibitions. Whatever Allah has prohibited us from doing. And the Prophet Wasallam has prohibited us. And it is evil. In it is evil. In it there is harm. It's understood? When we believe this and understand this, this makes it easy for us to carry out the commandments and to stay away from the prohibitions. From what angle? When we come across a commandment of Allah, a commandment of the Prophet we believe that in that is going to be good. Even though we may not understand every angle of wisdom, why Allah is commanding with this affair, it is enough for us to know that carrying out this commandment is a matter of worship and there's good in it. Khalas, that's enough. And that makes it easier for the believer to be obedient to Allah because he knows there's going to be some good in this. I may not understand every angle of wisdom. I may not know all the rewards that's going to come as a result or why Allah Azza wa Jalla has legislated this matter except that this is a matter of worship and it is good. That in itself is enough to drive and push the believer to carry out the commandment of Allah and the commandment of the Messenger Likewise, on the other note, when it comes to prohibitions, it is enough to know that staying away from it is worship and that there's evil in that thing if we were to do it. There's some harm in it. Even if we don't understand every angle of wisdom of why Allah prohibited this matter, it is enough for us to know that leaving it off is worship of Allah and leaving it off is protecting ourselves from some type of harm. And of course, with an increase of knowledge and advanced studies, a person sees the many different angles of the commandment, the angles of wisdom, why Allah has commanded this matter, or why Allah has prohibited it. And you find that in the books of the scholars when they mention 
the benefits of the verse or what's extracted from the verse and the wisdoms behind this command. And they mention a number of things. But even if a person did not know any of those things except that doing what Allah has said is worship and is good for me, leaving off what Allah has said to leave off is worship and it is good for me. Wallahi, that's enough. So whatever the messenger gives us, we take it. And whatever the messenger forbids us from, we leave it off. Why? Because the messenger sallallahu alayhi wasallam, he did not speak from his desires. It's only revelation that's revealed to him. So in obeying the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam, we are obeying Allah. And likewise, the statement of Allah, who is better in religion than the one who submits his face to Allah and he is a good doer? Alhamdulillah, the best of the people in the deen are those who combine between ikhlas and al-mutabah. Those who combine between sincerity and following the messenger, sallallahu alayhi wasallam, these are the best of the people when it comes to practicing Islam. As for having one and not the other, then this is not, or this individual is not from the best of the people to practice the religion. So if we want to be from the best of the people to practice the religion in the sight of Allah, then we must combine between these two matters. Because Allah says, وَمَنْ أَحْسَنُ دِينًا And who is better in religion? مِنْ مَنْ أَسْلَمَ وَجْهَهُ لِلَّهِ وَهُوَ مُحْسَنٌ Who is better in religion than the one who submits his face to Allah and he is a good doer. Meaning that he makes all of his outward and inward actions for Allah. Meaning his worship is for Allah. And he is a good doer, meaning by that he is following the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and how to worship Allah. Inshallah we'll stop at this point. Subhanakallah wa hamdika shadawan la ilaha ila anta staghfiruka wa atubu ilayk.